Um, we are continuing in our exploration of the Gospel of Matthew. For those of us newly joining, Gospel just means good news, and Matthew is one of the four accounts of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus the Messiah. Matthew's account is particularly concerned with Jesus as the Messiah or King and was originally writing to a primarily Jewish audience. He organized his gospel into five main teachings from Jesus, and we are in the middle of his fourth teaching now. And as we have seen, he has spent much of the fourth discourse talking about his little ones or his weak and his young followers in the faith. Much of his instruction in this teaching is concerning his disciples and their lives in this community or this uh, community that's forming and that will be formed of believers. And he says we the, some of the things he said is we must be like a child to enter his kingdom and we are to welcome and value his disciples and that there are grave consequences to cause these uh, disciples to stumble or sin. And in this passage, we will see today that Jesus wants to say more, even more about his disciples in this passage today. But first, I want to tell you a little story. I've been listening to a podcast. Uh, it's called Serial. And it's a single podcast to told in different episodes. And this one's about um, uh, an Army, USA Army officer called Bo Bergdahl. And he was an Army officer in the eastern province of Afghanistan. On, and on June 30th, in 2009, for various reasons, he walked off his base. Um, his plan was to walk off the base to create a situation so that he could create voice complaints. Because when people walk off the base, um, they have to create a search for him. And there was another base about 30 miles away. And his plan was to walk to that second base. And then he had complaints about the way the Army was handling different situations. However, less than 24 hours later, he was picked up by the Taliban. And the army had to issue a, what's called a dust one, which is a uh, casualty officer, someone who is not found, but we know he's alive. It's a missing person and significant resources were allocated to search for him. Um, they send in helicopters, they send in all assets and resources from the U.S. Army were designed to search for and find um, Army Officer Bo Bergdahl. He was eventually, it's, it's a fascinating story, if you get a chance to listen to it, I can't explain it all in, in one sermon illustration, but eventually the Pakistan was able to evade the U.S. Army and was moved to the sovereign nation of Pakistan. He was held in captivity for five years. He was tortured. He was abused. Um, but he was eventually released as part of a trade because the U.S. Army has a policy of leaving no soldier behind, regardless of time or circumstances or cost. So even after those five years, even when they know they could not reach him anymore, they set up a trade to trade several Taliban officers in return for bringing back Lieutenant Bergdahl back home to the United States. And we'll see that in this passage today, we're going to see something uh, very similar. So if you turn with me to Matthew 18, we will see that 
uh, no believer is left behind in God's kingdom. Matthew 18, we'll start in verse 10. And he says, this is Jesus. He says, see that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my father in heaven. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. So we see again that Jesus is re-emphasizing the importance of not neglecting or treating his little ones poorly. And Jesus is not afraid to repeat or stress how critical it, it is to not undervalue or treat these disciples, his little ones, with contempt. This must have been a common issue in his day as much as it is in our day. And like I've said before in some of these recent sermons, we like people who are similar to, similar to us, people that are whole, people that don't have a lot of problems. Why is this? Because people with issues and problems and weaknesses are messy. And we don't like messy people. They're not easy to deal with. We don't like all that baggage. They take work. That's the problem. And we naturally resist having to deal with the problems of others, especially if they tend to resurface and take lots of time and energy of our own because we are not perfect ourselves and we have busy lives and we are imperfect and we're trying to get our lives together as well. However, we see that Jesus is very concerned about showing favoritism against his disciples. And this is not the first time this has been said, nor will be the last, because we'll see later, uh, James, Jesus's brother, addresses the same problem and says those in his churches are showing favoritism to the rich and treating the poor with contempt. And we can substitute today. So, yes, maybe it's not about poor versus rich, but we can talk about power or fame. We can talk about people who are fun versus not fun people who are winners versus people who are losers. We have our own structures that we put in our day, even if it's not rich versus poor like it was in James' day. And he, what James asks is this, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? And he goes on and says later, is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into courts? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? What James is saying is that we are showing favoritism often to the very people who do not love us or love our God, right? We, we love um, you know, our sports stars and movie stars. And, and how many of us, though, would sit down with a struggling believer in our church, in our sphere of influence, influence? to hear their story and play, pray for them. So these pop culture stars and people we put on pedestals are usually very unlikely to be great in the kingdom of heaven. 
even if they are a part of his kingdom at all, and often they are not. And this is what this is what James is saying and what Jesus is saying. So this is exactly what Jesus is saying when he re- repeats his fra- refrain not to despise the disciples. In the previous passage, he gave a graphic negative example, if you remember, of being cast into the ocean with a giant millstone around your neck and drowned quickly if you cause one of Jesus' disciples to sin by showing favoritism and treating them with contempt. So that's that's a pretty graphic, intense example of how you will die quickly and painfully. However, here he gives a positive example by saying that these weak and struggling disciples not only have personal angels, but these angels see the face of God. And throughout scripture, we see that seeing the face of God is a rare honor, including humans and angels. The Bible says that Moses spoke to God face to face, but could only see the backside of his glory lest he die. We also read that Isaiah saw the Lord and it made him cry out about his own sinfulness. We also read that Gabriel was one of the angels that stands in the presence of God who visited both Zechariah and Mary to foretell the birth of John the Baptist and Jesus. So what is, what is What is Jesus saying here? He's saying that these weak disciples may not matter much in the eyes of the world, in history, or even in the minds of many other Christians. But Jesus is saying that these disciples matter to God. These little ones are protected by angels who see his face, showing that God values them, that he esteems them, that he thinks they matter, that they have importance, and that they have worth. You know, there were many with the, the story about Bo Bergdahl, there were many soldiers who hated Bo, hated him for what he did, for leaving the base, um, for complaining and taking these huge amount of resources away from the mission in Afghanistan to stop the Taliban. But the army would not stop searching until he was brought home. And we see the same way in, in this scripture passage, that even weak disciples, even those who um, who have issues, just like Bo Bergdahl had issues. He should not have walked off that base. Um, but we see that God wants us to treat them well anyway and love them anyway, because that's how he values them. So therefore, as believers, we should give significance to what God gives significance to. And he gives significance and value and honor to his little disciples because he tells their angels face to face how much he values them. And if you remember from our psalm that we read last week, we can't take anything in this life with us to the next. So wealth and fame and worldly honor and worldly importance do not have any value beyond this life. However, being valued and honored and loved by God has eternal value because it lasts not just through this life, but also through eternity. Like just what Jesus said, this is eternal life. To know him and the one that he has sent. So we need to put value and honor on his little ones because that's who Jesus values. Jesus then gives a parable to show this and to demonstrate this. 
He says a man has a hundred sheep. Does he not leave the 99 to search after the one? And it's amazing in that time period that the man has a hundred sheep. That would be considered to be quite wealthy in first century Israel. However, he goes, the shepherd goes in the search of the one who went astray. And it's important to notice that it's the sheep that went astray, not the owner who lost him. Jesus does not consider that these sheep are innocent, but rather that they are prone to move away from the flock. Right? Like the story of Bo Bergdahl, he had to answer for what he did later for walking off his base. And there were consequences for what he did. But the military does not leave one of his own behind. And God does not also leave one of his own behind. And we should not leave one of our own behind. So when one of us, one of you or me or one of our sisters or brothers wander from the flock, wander from God, what are we going to do? This happens. I hope that we will know that we will be pursued and rescued, of course, by God, because God does not give up, but by each other as well. Because that's, what that's one of the points of this story is that we are to be like the shepherd. And we see in the story also that there is huge biblical imagery about sheep. Um, sheep are helpless. They have no defense mechanism. They're usually foolish. They do whatever they, they're like lemmings. They don't do anything special. They just follow things around. They go where they want to go. And that's why they need somebody to protect them. You know, in fact, Jesus may have been thinking of this verse in Ezekiel, which says, for this, this is from Ezekiel 34, 11, 12. It says, for this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. So we are the sheep. We are the ones who go astray. However, it is the Lord Yahweh, the Lord Jesus, who comes after us and searches for us until he finds us. When Isaiah talks about the coming of the Messiah, he also says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all, from Isaiah 30, 53, 6. Because we have all totally abandoned and wandered away from the Lord of life, Jesus had to taste death to bring us back to the flock. And just think of the first song that we sang, or the first song we sang, right? While we were a stranger to Jesus, wandering away from this fold, that's when he sought us out. Right, We were going astray. We were moving from a place of safety and care from the great shepherd of our souls into a desolate place where there were wolves and danger about. That's when God rescued us. And the song also says that we are still prone to wander. And it says prone to leave the God I love. That is that that is part of the sin nature that still exists in us. As Jesus' disciples, of course, we are ultimately safe and secure under his protection. However, that does not mean that we are unable to go astray or wander towards sin. Like I said last week, 
because there is still sin that exists in our hearts, in this world, and in the devil and his demons, we are still tempted and inclined to move towards sin, prone to leave the God I love. So we need to remember that as we are pursuing Jesus, that we are prone in this direction. And this is what the, the Jesus' parable, it presupposes this. It assumes that the sheep, not all the sheep, but some of the sheep will go astray. The shepherd leaves the 99 worth far more than a single sheep and goes looking for the one. And there is no guarantee in this parable that the sheep will be found because he says, if he finds it, implying that the sheep may not be found again. So the point of the parable is that the shepherd takes incredible risk and potential loss for the sake of the sheep that goes away. God has great love and compassion for the sheep that struggle, that tend to go away, that are wandering from the fold of God, as the song says. And this is what the, the passage is saying, right? Back to the story of Bo Bergdahl. The army expended incredible resources in their search for him. And there are reports that even some soldiers even died in their pursuit. And the truth is that the army was not able to find Bergdahl initially. It took time. It took five years. He was in prison for five years before they were able to rescue him. So what happens when he finds a sheep? He rejoices. He does a dance. He shouts. He cries. He takes that sheep over his shoulder and brings him back. I've done this. I, you, I'm sure you have too. When you've lost a wallet or you've lost something and you find it, you feel like the whole world is better, right? He is more excited over that lost sheep that is found than the others that remains. This is the mindset of God. God takes special delight in rescuing those in need, those who are lost, those who are going astray. This is what shows God's weight and honor and glory because he takes special joy in delivering those who are drifting and moving away from him. God is a rescuer. It's like those people who train to be lifeguards and first responders and rescuers. There is a certain thrill and excitement and joy in helping people in dangerous and nearly impossible situations. There was also initial excitement when Bergdahl was finally released, even though it was his fault for walking off the base, even though his time with the Taliban broke him in significant ways. He could not talk for weeks because of what happened to him, because of his own mistake. He walked off the base. He did this. But he was obviously relieved and happy to be back. His family was relieved and happy, and the military was able to get one of their soldiers home. And that is a priority one for the U.S. Army, and that is one of God's top priorities to make sure that we are not going astray permanently. And we need to remember in this passage that God is primarily talking to his people, not unbelievers. He says as much when he concludes the parable by saying it is not God's will that these little ones, that's the word he uses for his disciples, should perish. 
And of course, as the great shepherd, he will not allow any of his little disciples to eternally perish, to be banished from the kingdom forever, even though there may be a period of going astray for a while. So what is Jesus saying here? Earlier in the, in the passage, he gives a stern warning to any who would cause his children to stum- stumble. Here he says, we need to have the heart of God and be like the shepherd in the parable. We need to be actively searching for his little ones who are going astray and bringing them back to the fold of God. Not only, not only are we not to cause God's children to stumble by treating them as valuable, important as God treats them, no matter what weaknesses and foibles they have, we need to go actively searching them out, seeking them out. Just like Bo Bergdahl, no Christian should be left behind, regardless of their wandering away. And we need to pursue them with all the resources that we have, just as God pursued us. So the application is pretty straightforward. We need to do this. We all probably have people in our minds who are the struggling and weak believers and people who are struggling in our lives. There are certain, obviously, names that pop into my mind, and I bet they pop into your mind as well. Who are, the question is, who are we reaching out to? And I've mentioned this before, so I'm not going to belabor the point, but we need to be taking care of our struggling brothers and sisters however we can, especially in the time that the church is not able to meet physically, especially in a time of COVID when people are more isolated than probably ever before or in a hundred years. So if that means going out for a coffee coffee or a meal, then we should make it happen. If that means a phone call to encourage him or her, then let's do it. If that means to give a prayer over WhatsApp, then we should make this a priority. We are in a unique time when the church is not meeting physically. So there is even more temptation or proclivity for the sheep to wander or go astray. So we should try as best as we can not to only be available, but also looking for Christians in our home, in our church, in our spheres of influence, where we can gently, lovingly lead them back to the fold. And usually, how do we, what does it mean to seek them out and bring them back to the fold? Um, this does not mean we need to be rough with people and tell them why they're making huge mistakes and shipwrecking their faith. That does not work. Um, I've tried that before. That, Strategy is not a good one. We need to remember that we, the reality of life is that we need to earn the right to be heard. We can't just call somebody on the phone that we have no relationship with and tell them what they need because that will make them more defensive and likely to continue to go astray. Therefore, what I've tried before is just start out seeing what they're going through and hearing their story, trying to spend time with them, seeing what you can do to help. Over time, there will be opportunities for you to speak. But I have found that with the majority of what it means to lead people back to God is just being with them and sharing with them in their difficult times because that's part of their journey. Those who have been most helpful to me when I've gone astray, when I've struggled, they mostly just spent time with me and listened to my story as I talked and discussed things with them. And I think that's true of most people. This is why Paul says to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. Because a lot of leading Christian brothers back to the flock is hanging in there with each other. 
And I want to mention that we, as, as we conclude, I want to mention that we all have times of victory and defeat, times when we are on the mountaintop and times when we are in the valley, times when we're feeling God's presence so intensely and times when we feel like our prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. If you feel like you are in that position of a weak and struggling disciple, please reach out. You are more than welcome to send an email or WhatsApp to me or Abiel or anybody in this group. And I know that we will be glad to spend some time with you. There is no shame in saying that you need help. And I've said this many times that I've needed help in the past year because this has been a crazy hard year. But it's hard to know if you don't say anything because it's easy to pretend that everything is fine when things are not fine, when there's a disaster. So, and finally, let's be amazed at how God's kingdom is so different from the kingdom of this world. This world's kingdom is about the strong surviving and the weak perishing. It's about the survival of the fittest. Those who are weak are rarely shown pity or mercy, except for what is left over from our own opulence and the money that we have and what we no longer need or want. This is the opposite of how Jesus wants his kingdom and his people to look. He wants the weak and struggling among his, among his people to be put first. He says the angel of the little ones see his face. His kingdom is not about the survival of the fittest, but about no man being left behind. Even the sheep wandering away, the one that is broken, the one that is weak, that's a true and better kingdom because it gives value to all people, not just the successful and powerful, but to the weak and struggling. They could not find Bo Bergdahl because they moved into the sovereign state of Pakistan and the U.S. Army had no jurisdiction there. But God has unlimited jurisdiction. He will find us wherever we are, and we as his people can search the earth loving and caring for one another, and we should be so grateful that God seeks us out. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much that you have not left us behind, that you will not leave us behind, that you love and care for us, that you value us, that you speak to us. And I pray this week as we go about our busy lives, as things get fast during the work week, that you would put those people on our hearts and our minds that we know might be struggling or need help and that we would reach out to them in whatever way that we can. God, that you just give us the time and just a little bit more energy to do that, God. You allow those your people to rise up on wings like eagles, and I pray now that you would just give us that extra strength we are all struggling in different ways, but help us to love and care for one another like the shepherd in this story, God. And thank you that you are the great shepherd who never leaves us, who never leaves a man behind. And you are going to bring us safely into your kingdom. We love you, Jesus. And we ask for this in your great name. Amen.